What's good? Will Freeman, RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com, talking to you today about how to use offense and defense in the financial game, in the money-making game. And let's start with offense. So offense is aggressively solving the problem of revenue. Um, I'm hoping you're in a high margin, high ROI, high ticket service business. There's some exceptions like, you know, personal brand or business brand where you sell courses. Uh, some guys have done very well in drop shipping, although the stability of that business isn't great. Um, but, but mostly the success that I've seen at, at any major level, the guys that got to the eight figure business or, um, you know, 5 million and, and things of that nature that I've personally worked with as, as clients over the last five years, uh, quite intensely. We're in service businesses. Uh, the margins were at least 50% and they were putting a lot of that money back into marketing to buy more customers, more clients, and more prospective leads, and doing that much more aggressively than their competitors. And ideally, they were, you know, a better niche than their competitors. For example, it's not just a carpet cleaning business, it's a carpet cleaning business that, you know, does it perhaps in a different way or solves problems that, um, you know, other services aren't doing, or in some cases, uh, it's one of these, as I said, carpet cleaning or pool service businesses where the the competitive barrier is low. The competitors are late. They don't respond well to messages. Um, they're doing a subpar job. Communications are bad. Um, you know, they're overcharging. They're, you know, late to send invoices. They're just not organized. And in a lot of businesses... You know, of that nature, whether it's legal or, um, as I said, carpet cleaning. Uh, even when I was in the currency brokerage business, it, w it was um, poor competitors. So you can do quite well, you know, just charging less and, you know, delivering at two to three X the speed by having the right organization. And it's a need already. It's a need that people are using. A need is always easier to sell than a want, even if the want is a really good want. Uh, for example, selling, you know, credit, selling access to SBA loans, that's a great want. But selling that guy rent for his office space is an easier sell because he has to, he, he has to pay rent regardless. It's not a decision that he can make to turn on and turn off, assuming he needs an office. Um, if you could come in with a better office space, that's closer to his home at half the price, he's going to make that decision um, near immediately, right? Or at least quickly if there's no other factors, right? So the, the need versus the want is important in the offense, and that's usually what I've seen. So usually the, the guys who've scaled to um, eight figures, not always, were coming for, for prospects who already had that service provider and just doing it better or more you know niched when the, the competitor was just general and doing it faster. And they reinvested, reinvested, reinvested. So they, they did it better, they niched better, and they aggressively reinvested. And the biggest thing is the aggressive reinvestment. You can sell general real estate and general insurance and you know scale to six figures or maybe 200K on your own and then you're able to hire. And you can leapfrog above 
every one of your competitors that's still stuck at 100K or 200K by just, you know, taking a six-figure salary or 75K and dumping everything else back into aggressive marketing to get more prospects, get more clients, get more recurring business that pays for more salesmen, which gets you more clients, gets you more recurring business, allows you to pay for even more salesmen. That's the primary thing that guys are not doing. Assuming they have a business that has a flywheel in it, flywheel means you can reinvest on a monthly basis and the interest compounds to me is the ideal business. The hardest thing is, is the strategy of getting into the right business. Um, but for anyone that has that and they're at six figures and they're stuck there and there is a flywheel, sometimes you're stuck at six figures and um, there's no flywheel. Like in, in my business, the one-on-one -on -one coaching uh, could not be a flywheel, even though it was very easy to sell. I could sell it off of a sales page without even getting on a, on a phone call for a thousand a month. Um, clients were satisfied, you know, I keep a lot of clients for three years at a time, which is unheard of in this life and business coaching game. Uh, the problem is there's, there was no one else that I could do it. Um, guys don't want group coaching and you know, the group coaching, I think wouldn't be done at, at the standard that I'd want it to anyways. Right. So sometimes you can be doing multiple six figures, but the, or at least in one niche of your business, um, you know, I have the courses as well and used to have the books and I've got the Brotherhood Signal Group, but you know, you can't flywheel that particular niche, which is why I'm, I'm moving away. I'm not taking new coaching clients right now and I'm just pushing into doing 15 courses and pushing the, the Signal Group. Um, but I also have three other ventures that I'm working on that I, I think all have flywheels and all don't involve me having to be in the business and create content as well, because that's another friction point um, where the owner has to be in the business indefinitely. And that's the case in coaching. It's also the case of um, these content creation businesses. Although I do have a client with a, a very big business brand as well as personal brand who did scale beyond eight figures and is still in the business. He's, he's tried to outsource some of the content creation. It wasn't working particularly well. So he's got back in to do the content creation. He's, He's mostly above it. Um, it's it's just in these types of businesses, a lot of the time they are tied to organic content and the the whims of the algorithm. Even if you're putting out a lot of content, um, so the flywheel is not on the ideal unless you're willing to like let's say spend money on YouTube to promote your organic videos. It will crush your organic reach, but you can turn that into a flywheel. The only thing is. The guy has to watch your videos for usually like six months to three years before he buys into anything because it's a relationship based, right? So the personal brand is not in a lot of cases, the ideal flywheel, but you can make it work. Uh, but regardless margins at 50%, you're niched into the right strategy. Uh, it's something that you can hire operators for and move above as fast as possible. It's not tied directly to your time and the thing that only you can do. And, and most importantly, once you're at the six figure stage, um, reinvesting, just dumping everything you can back into that marketing fly. When it doesn't have to be ads, it could be cold emails, cold calls, uh, LinkedIn, direct message, direct mail, or 
all of the above like I'm doing for my uh, engineering client in our marketing and sales closing business, right? So that to me is what uh, offense is. And then when you've maxed out the amount of money that you can invest into that vehicle and the vehicle's maxed or uh, the vehicle's continuous, continuously scaling, but it's, it's diminishing returns to put more money into the marketing flywheel. For example, you know, if you're scaling up an engineering business, um, you know, and you're putting 30, 40 K a month into the marketing vehicle, you might not need to do that because, you know, you're already in a few states and you're trying to launch into four five, six, seven states. It's going to take a certain amount of time just to hire people and train and, and get everybody competent and build out the system. So, you know, putting a hundred thousand or 200,000 in, into the marketing is actually more than you need because you won't have the, um, operational fulfillment to actually handle the orders that would come in from those clients. Now there's something to be said about pushing more aggressively into, you know, hiring operators and building up fulfillment, but you have to be careful that you don't try and build that up too quickly because it can, um, crush the, the fulfillment and you get unhappy uh, clients. And instead of keeping clients in certain states that you were launching for like a decade, you, you lose them fast and it's, it's counterproductive. Um, so let's say it's that scenario and you're, you know, you've realized, okay, um, the, the business income hasn't maxed out, but it doesn't make sense for me to reinvest any more than 40 K a month into this. And it's going to continue to grow aggressively, but your dividends coming in at like, 200k a month, right? So what do you do? Now's the time to do the second vehicle. As long as you are above the first vehicle and you've got a competent operator in there, at the very least a COO who's handling a lot of that, or even better, a CEO, um, and you're on the phone with him once a week, making sure that the targets are get, getting hit and maybe contributing ideas to some money-making projects, but you're above it. And then you're putting 40k back in, you're peeling off 160k for yourself. And now you're looking to find, um, you know, the next operator for your for your next business. And the strategic idea of, of what can I do with this 160 grand, that's the most profitable, because you could potentially put it back into the first vehicle, right? But is it diminishing returns at that point? Because you have to think, you know, probably as an entrepreneur, capital allocation is the most important thing you can do. Um, let's say you could get 40% a year putting it back in flywheel number one. But if you find, you know, and that's diminishing over time, then it's 30%. But comparing that to a new vehicle where you could put it in and get 5,000% back over the next two years, right? Doesn't make sense to keep putting it into that same vehicle unless you're not certain that your second vehicle would work, but if you're at like 90% certainty that the second vehicle would work, then you'd want to put it into that second vehicle. Um, and that's what I think about multiple streams of income. I'm still of the same mind that I was, um, I guess since 2012 is, is you can have them, but you want to make sure the first stream is solidified. You, you ideally don't want to, um, be trying to build something out while you're not above the first one and it's not generating some, some stable income. You can be somewhat still in the first vehicle, I think, um, if you feel like there's not a flywheel there, right? Because you, you realize you have to find the flywheel and that first vehicle is, is one that you can't fully remove yourself from or at least 
can't at this point. So you are in a situation where you, you feel not quite gun to your head, but some pressure to get the flywheel because you're not going to be able to hit the income goals in the first one, but you need it for money. Okay, in that scenario, um, you can go do the second or maybe the second and the third if you have money for the operator because you don't know which one's going to work, um, you know, to make sure that you nail it. But ideally, you do the second one, test it. If it doesn't work, do the third one. You're not trying to do another two at the same time. And you couldn't really want to be in the in the first business more than you know you'd have to be no more than like two to three hours a day to have the time of freedom to really push hard on the on the second one um in the in the first three months so you know those are my thoughts on on offense right the bulk of it comes down to that flywheel the operator pushing back in then once you've gone exponential you know ideally in that at least seven figures if not multiple seven figures above it pushing into the the second flywheels uh, business-wise. And that's on offense because business is by far, by far, by far the best offensive investment. It crushes everything else. It crushes Bitcoin's best year, uh, crushes gold's best year, and it, it throws off cash, right? So you're able to reinvest it, right? You can't reinvest your gold or your Bitcoin unless you sell it. It's not producing any type of dividend. But with the business, the equity of the company is going up, your share value is going up, and it's throwing you off a big business, uh, big dividend, and it's throwing you way more than a than a public company would. Because by the time the public company is mature and Fortune 500, all those juicy 2,000, 3,000, 10,000 percent early stage um, returns are gone, and and you know the people that that got the reward were the people that invested the co- in the company before it got big and got ownership that way and after that it was the vcs and then after that it was the guys that bought the ipo by the time it's actually gone public you know your odds of of getting any type of thousand percent return or or very low maybe tesla but you know that's over you know the course of a decade with a private business you know you could put three hundred dollars into a personal brand a youtube brand selling courses and you know, be making six figures within a few years or, or 250,000. There's, there's young kids blowing up to, you know, a million subscribers, you know, under, in under a year and a half, right. And selling courses, masterminds or whatever it is, um, on like a almost nothing investment, right? Like 20,000, 30,000% returns over the course of, you know, a couple years. Um, I'm sure that's not the exact math, but it's it's that's why I consider, you know, business is the ultimate offensive vehicle. To me, everything else is defensive. And why is it defensive? Is because you're lucky to get eight percent a year on everything else. And I now I do consider um, rental real estate, either residential or commercial, a business, right? Because the majority of people are not buying. Uh, their portfolio of rental real estate in their personal name they are buying it in their business name uh, the debt they're taking out to buy those properties is in their business name and you know that's anywhere from three to five percent in america on on the property and 15 percent abroad the advantage to that deal is the incredible amount of of debt that you can get and leverage that you can get and if you don't fuck that up um it can become quite profitable Whereas, you know, in any type of new stage business, you're not getting that kind of leverage where 
you're able to buy some $600,000 asset for 10% down for 60 grand, right? You can't get that kind of leverage in a new business, you know, in the first year in operation where, you know, you put 60,000 in, in collateral to a bank and they give you 600,000. It's just not happening, right? Uh, so it provides a great amount of leverage, but the, the rental real estate is a business. So when I'm talking about the other investments, I'm talking about crypto, gold, equities, um, currencies. Currencies are an investment, whether you're holding USD or foreign currencies. Um, bonds, which are an investment, a shit investment, but an investment nonetheless. And, uh, you know, stuff like collectibles, vintage cars, things of that nature, right? So that's what I consider the, the defensive strategy, right? And it's defensive, as I said, because you're lucky to get 8% on it. The primary purpose of those, in my opinion, is to keep pace with inflation and ideally get you something on top of that. Ideally hedged out to where, you know, I don't think you should be making money on every investment each year. Uh, you should be losing some and making some and making more than what you lose because if, if, you're not losing any money. It means you're probably improperly hedged. And therefore, um, you know, for the defensive part of your strategy, which is wealth protection, right? Offense is, is income generation and getting more money in the door. Defense is wealth protection with protecting your wealth first, not losing it. Secondly, keeping pace with inflation, which goes along with protecting the wealth. And third, um, you know, making that money work for you ideally in getting something on top of inflation to where that, that wealth is expanding. Um, but it's a, it's, it's a defensive strategy. And the only reason you should be doing that is because you're unsure of, of business risk or economic risk, and it's to hedge against some type of interruption in income in your businesses. But if you do a certainty that there was going to be no interruption in, in income in your businesses, in any of your businesses, there's going to be no economic impact that would crush your businesses. I would never, ever, ever invest in anything else because businesses beat that and I would just scale a business and exit or when I can't put more money in, go do another one with an operator and crush whatever, whatever I would get in um, defensive investments. Even if the second and third business failed, I know how to make a business fail within a quarter and cheaply, right? I'm not pushing something that's going to, you know, spend $2 million before we go to, to market and be surprised that it didn't work. I'm going to know quickly and I'm going to know in under probably 20 grand at the most. Um, you can really mitigate the risk of this stuff. So that, that, that even includes three, four, five business failures. You're still, when you hit that winner, going to crush whatever the defensive investments would be in general, unless you hit a lick on something like Bitcoin, and instead of doing 300% like it's done on its best years, it's doing, you know, a thousand percent or more and, or maybe some altcoin that you gambled way too much money on and, and got lucky. Um, you know, in those cases, you, you, you might do better than you would in, in your business. Um, but you would have had to have, uh, basically a good amount of money already that you've made from your business to be able to invest in that, right? To be able to have, you know, the 500K, the million or whatever that you were 
kind of hedging out and you had a couple hundred grand in Bitcoin and some altcoins, or maybe more, you had, you know, two, three mil and you had four, five, six hundred between Bitcoin and some of the altcoins. And, you know, you started hitting some 3,000% a year deals on some of the smaller coins. And, you know, Bitcoin's doing 500% a year, 700% right over the course of five years. Um, but that would have meant that you you would have already needed to be wealthy and have the funds and you would have, um, you know, not been able to have the vehicles to put that money back into um, the vehicles and generate the massive early stage returns of, of a new business. Like all you had was kind of like mature vehicles um, where you weren't getting more than like 70% on what you were putting back in compounded, right? Because you can't just say, what you're getting standard, you, you know, you're, you're compounding and putting everything back in monthly, right? Um, you know, your, your vehicles were too mature um, and, you know, you weren't able to get those returns in business and you weren't able to figure out another vehicle that you could start and scale quickly that could get those returns. So in those cases, um, you know, your, your kind of hedge of investments that are ideally defensive, um, you know, could have could have beaten what you got in, in business, but that that only starts to become once you're a wealthy person, right? Once you're, uh, you know, a person that's already wealthy, when you're when you've got this snowball of ten, twenty million dollars, um, you know, and you hit a lick on one of these vehicles, it 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 could beat what you're getting back from businesses, assuming uh, you don't have an idea for another flywheel that can scale aggressively and you're in um, mature businesses that don't have that kind of juice anymore. And, you know, and that's assuming you're, you're using the investments defensively and, and correctly, I think, because I think it's very incorrect to go all in on an, on an altcoin if you actually care about your financial future. Even just going all in on, on a Bitcoin or a gold or something, um, I think gold is significantly less risky with the 5,000 year track record and the um, relatively stable chart since, you know, 1971. The, the worst, you know, in general you're going to do on gold if we look at the past 100 years is maybe a 50%, um, you know, decrease over the course of five, seven years if you bought it at the top. Um, but Bitcoin, you can lose your shirt, you know, for guys that bought in the top. Uh, at the end of the pandemic, we're down 80%, although it seems to be coming back up. But regardless, the point is, um, in the scenario that I'm defining, the so-called investments that aren't a private business are, are meant to be um, conservative and de defensive. Now, that doesn't mean you can't own your gold and your Bitcoin and some of those trash bag altcoins, um, but it, 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 it should be hedged out, right? It should be you know, if you think those are inflation hedges, and I don't actually think they are, I think everything at this point pretty much moves with um, with interest rates and the credit expansion cycle. But, um, you know, as I was saying about building a proper hedge, just like the old hedge funds used to do, you've got half of it long, half of it short, you should be losing some money, but making enough on your wins to, to cover that. Um, if you're all in on something that's just a straight long, right? And, you know, something like a Bitcoin where in general it, it moves 
with the expansion of the, the credit supply, right, as the credit supply is expanded both in commercial banks and, and through the Fed, well, if a deflationary scenario hits, right, which is what happened after the pandemic, right, they deflated the amount that commercial banks were lending, they deflated the amount that the Fed was, you know, sending over to um, the Treasury, you're in big trouble. And if, and if the depression is a deflationary depression, which the Great Depression was, Weimar Republic Germany was different, but the Great Depression was deflationary, you're in, you're in big trouble if uh, you've gone all in on an asset that benefits from an inflationary environment, right? Which is why you should have short and long positions and you should have um, you know, positions that are gonna benefit from inflation and positions that are gonna benefit from deflation. Now, when I'm saying short and long, I'm not saying you have to like own equities long and own equities short. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, own, um, you know, assets that, you know, you think would benefit from, you know, expanding economic cycle and, and in good, t good terms, good times, and then assets that would benefit from, you know, a, a recessionary time, um, right? Because we don't know which way this is going to go and assets that are going to benefit from inflation and assets that would benefit, benefit from a deflationary cycle. And ultimately, I think that the simplest thing is, using the business to create massive offense to go exponential. I consider exponential where you are pulling out something like, you know, a 30x what you need in terms of dividends or potential dividends to pull out uh, to live an awesome lifestyle. Not just a comfortable lifestyle where you're like scrimping and saving about Starbucks, but, you know, 20 grand geo-arbitrage, right? 20 grand geo-arbitrage in the Southeast Asia, Latin America, Eastern Europe is a dope-ass fucking lifestyle. Really, the only thing that you can't do is fly private every month. But you can pretty much do everything else, including, you know, a good amount of popping bottles, right? You can't go to the club and spend 20K and, and you know, something ridiculous, right? But, you know, $2,000 spend on a night out in Bangkok, you know, get you a lot of drinks um, or buying like an excessive amount of luxury goods. Um, now, when it comes to supercars or sports cars, right, I'm not including that in, in sort of your monthly spend, um, you know, but that that would be from uh, what you're pulling out in dividends that that um, aren't lifestyle expenses. So just to give you an example, like if you're if you've got 300,000 um, in excess income, right, from your revenue stream. You pull out 20K, you spend all that, right, um, in, in Southeast Asia or whatever you can. There's going to be months where you don't spend it, even when you're staying in a, you know, $6,000 a month crib in, in Bangkok. That's just dope as hell. Um, and then you put another 50K back in the business, right, so that's 70K there, uh, but you still have, you know, like 230K to to play with. Uh, that to me is exponential, right? You're so far above um, needing money to live, right? With, with the amount that's coming in. And you've been able to, you know, create your ideal lifestyle by hitting your spending target. You can see how to hit spending targets in my life game course, revolutionarylifestyle.com forward slash courses and why it's important. Um, and, and 
your lifestyle's so far above most people. You've got the money to reinvest aggressively into the business to keep scaling the flywheel. Um, you're sort of maxing out the the amount to, to spend back into the business every month before it becomes diminishing returns, right? That might be 40, 50K, um, where anything more than that would be too much operational friction to hire everybody and like fuck up your fulfillment. Now, when you start to have 230 grand a month type of thing is when you start doing that big old kitchen sink hedge um, across the rental real estate, the gold, the Bitcoin, uh, all the different things. Now, leading up to that, I'm not saying being hedged, right? Um, you know, you should always have a couple hundred grand in the tank, ideally, between your, your currencies and multiple accounts um, on multiple continents. And then you can have your gold, Bitcoin, things of that nature hedged out. Although I don't think you should get into real estate because it's, it's too expensive and you'd be too illiquid. So you, you should have a small hedge, but before you really start taking the hedge seriously and, you know, start flying around and looking at, you know, rental properties in Cambodia or whatever your deal is, right? Um, and really, really pulling a good chunk amount, uh, a good chunk out, you know, it leading up to that, you should be trying to put everything back into the business and keeping your 100K, 200K, whatever you need to feel comfortable, sort of small hedge where you, you don't think a lot about it. It's just kind of like a monthly rebuy for each of them. Um, you know, your, your, your entire goal on offense is to go at exponential and a basic level defense before that. Then when you're exponential and you've got the 100K, 230K a month, now you really dig in that year for your, your defensive project and the, the bulletproof hedge that's going to cover you in every scenario. Um, you know, you might have Bitcoin in, in an exchange with a CASA login and a cold wallet and multiple cold wallets and multiple rental real estates and equities in um, multiple brokerage accounts and multiple continents and whatever you need to feel comfortable in building out your offshore trust and reincorporating the business as a subsidiary under that to get the tax rates down. Um, all that stuff, the, the, the passports, the uh, multiple residences and stuff. I really think you need to focus on offense uh, before doing all that, because as, as I just mentioned, right, you can hear that's, that's a long ass, like two year project, right? To see how to uh, set that kind of project and goals, by the way, again, the life game course, I've got a bunch of example um, goals for that in that regard. Um, but the main course that I wanted to talk about for, for this deal right here is the net worth course that, that I've just released. Um, it's how to get an eight figure net worth. And it's going to teach you about understanding money on a, on a deep, like insight philosophical level. Like if you like crazy insight revelations, I guarantee you haven't seen this anywhere else, especially the rehashed bullshit that's in the truth pill community or the, you know, half-assed libertarian bloggers who haven't actually studied the fed. Um, you know, I took, I took this from the absolute best resources that I could find and, and some deep throw study. It's going to reprogram the entire way you think about money. It's going to allow you to become a lot more offensive, but more importantly, it's a game plan to get to eight figures. It's not a guarantee. Okay. There's of course no guarantee, you know, eight figure net worth is tough.
top 50,000 to 200,000 in the world out of 6 billion people. So the, the goal is, is no joke. Um, but it is the best game plan that, that I've found. And I haven't been able to find, find very good ones that covered all these bases as well as examples based on your risk profile, um, the kind of investments you like, um, how to budget for it, how to plan out your decade goals in regards to it, why it's important um, with AI coming in and CBDCs and social credit and carbon credit and this massive both technological and, and monetary and governance, world governance changes that we're seeing coming in the next decade. Um, this is my target, okay? It, this is the, the new advice that I've got for you for the 2020s as opposed to, um, you know, the 20K a month lifestyle business that, that would have worked and got you through the 2010s, you know, living outside of America in Latin America, Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe. We're still, we're still doing the expat entrepreneur thing. We're just, we're just doing it with bigger targets. And the new lifestyle business is, um, you know, the, the larger business just with operators and aiming to turn that into um, a hold coast situation where you're on the phone with operators once a week and they're running your shit and making it, um, making sure you're hitting target and all that stuff. So it's, it's really complex stuff. It's not something you want to, I think, sort by trial and error. This has come about a lot from my last five years of coaching, uh, clients every day, four to eight hours a day. A lot of it's been business and wealth strategies, six, seven, eight figure clients and friends, as well as the mastermind we have going on in RLD Brotherhood, um, our signal group, which you can get into at revolutionarylifestyles.com forward slash brotherhood, where, you know, this is our survival and thrival tribe over the next decade. And, and I've gone back and forth a ton of times with, with guys who, who are very successful in all disciplines on sort of putting this plan together. So a lot of research has gone into this and it's probably the best investment you could make in the next decade because, you know, if you are serious about that kind of money um, and making sure you survive and thrive, then you want the absolute best game plan that you can manage. It's also going to mitigate a lot of your financial fear because it pulls sort of all the doubts out and all the potential disaster scenarios and gives you a game plan for everything that's going to happen as well as like the practical reality of, oh, what if I you know, how am I going to sell my gold in a disastrous scenario? Like, where should I store? Should I store it, um, you know, in my own custody or should I have half and half because there's pros and cons to each. So ultra thorough detail is all covered in the course. Again, pick it up. Revolutionary lifestyle design column forward slash courses. Other than that, I hope you found this video useful. I hope the, the concepts of offense and defense were useful. Let me know in the comment section or you know, hook up in the brotherhood and, and let me know there. Or uh, the the only um, social media DMs I'm actively managing right now is, is Instagram, Will Freeman RLD. Um, you can follow me on there, but the coaching program is closed. I've got some old clients that I still have um, and doing work for and still coaching. But if you want continuous access to me on, on questions or help on anything, especially in this you know, environment and in regards to the, the reset and wealth protection and, and scaling, um, you know, hop into that brotherhood and, and uh, you know, I'm in there consistently answering messages. 
other than that, thank you for watching this video. Um, appreciate your time. Much love to you. God bless you. And I'll catch you in the next video.